Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Alark Bissell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying, trying to, figure to figure them out, out for, for ourselves. ourselves. I like we get in sync on that last bit. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, dude. Dude, what? What's up? What? <laughs> You're back in America. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I got back two days ago. And um, four days of the last week I spent on a shooting set. And it was like, ah, uh, it was kind of painful. Oh, really? Because I, I was jet lagged on top of like having these really weird shooting hours. And it was this weird kind of mind state that I was in where everything was just kind of blending together. And I didn't know what day was what, like... Wow, it was hard to tell like how many days we had been shooting. We ended up at the like same location more than once, so it was there's a lot of deja vu moments. Weird, Um, but yeah, I'm glad it's done. It's over. I leave for LA tomorrow, and we're gonna start editing. Wow, and uh, was this a narrative based commercial or like a documentary based commercial? Narrative. Nice. We did a lot of casting, a lot of location scouting. are we going to talk this week about like what a producer does on set? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's the perfect timing then. Sweet. I can talk to you about what it was like to be an agency producer on set. So I'll, I'll save it. What I really want to know, this is a big question, is what it's like to experience 4th of July in another country. <laughs> is it like not even a thing or do people yeah, actually celebrate it? It's like it didn't happen at all. It's funny. No one gives a shit in Barcelona about America's birthday. (laughs) No, I was that day. I went to casting probably around nine or 10 o'clock in the morning and we didn't wrap until like eight o'clock that night. Oh, wow. Did I say casting or wardrobe? You said casting. I meant wardrobe. We were in wardrobe. So we were fitting actors all day in costumes and it was one of the most boring days of my time in Barcelona. Everyone was just like, (laughs) can we just leave? Can we go? Can we just come back later? Was it like every option that you saw, you're like, yeah, that that's great. Yeah, that that's fine. Was, or was it more yeah, like... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the director was always presenting multiple options. Like, I like this one. We'll also have these ones on set. Let's just see how they look once we get them in frame. Mm. They were like, okay, well, I guess we don't really need to make a decision now, do we? It's so different, man. It's like on the, <laughs> the short that I worked on, <laughs> yeah. there, there was like, you know, no discussion of wardrobe. It was like... You know, the director, I think the director talked to the actors about it, but I mean, there were no backup options, nothing like that. It was just like, yeah, well, I guess so for some of the, the, the extras, there were some backup options, but it was like what they could bring basically. And yeah. then if you're like trying <laughs> right. to make you, them look like a thug or like a homeless person or something, it's like, we would be like, okay, wear this stuff, but then we're going to bring a couple other things that we have, like me and the director, like just like brought like shopping bags full of crap we had at our houses and we're like, okay. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. <laughs> it's crazy on a commercial shoot how much thought goes into wardrobe and locations and how in the end, most of the time, you don't really notice it depending on what the shot is. I mean, you're, you're looking at head to toe wardrobe on actors that are sometimes just shot in a close up and the amount of energy that goes into like evaluating whether or not that person looks authentic or matches the brand or it's it's something that the client just doesn't like or the agent somebody at the agency doesn't like just it's insane we had a dinner with the client and one of the creatives said to them like if you were to try to dress an agency client dinner you would never dress us this way like we looked around the table and everyone was dressed in like completely 
completely different types of clothing. That's funny. And it's just like, that's natural life. Like, people just kind of show up the way they are. They don't, like, put a lot of thought into what they're wearing. But we're, like, sitting there, like, debating so hard about, like, does this fit, like, the type of character we want this to be? And Yeah. Uh, it's a... I- it's kind of like one of the my least favorite parts of the, the production process on this end. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like it's all important. I mean, e- even if it never shows up on camera, it's it's good to be thinking about those things. And especially for actors and like getting into a role, like knowing mm-hmm. what your character would wear, is, I think is a big part of like deciding how your character would be, you know? Yeah, I was, I was sitting in a color session yesterday doing Spirit Machine, and I was doing a lot of thinking about wardrobe for some reason because I noticed... Some, some decisions I had made ahead of time that I forgot that I had made, which is like, what are, are the characters wearing? And um, I think because we were in color and I was kind of noticing that the choices I made, like I put the girl in a yellow top because I wanted her to pop off of what I knew was going to be a lot of red brick backgrounds. And then I put him in like a blue Hawaiian shirt for the same reason but I also wanted him in a Hawaiian shirt because I thought it went along with his character it was like just kind of remembering some of the decisions I made and like why I made them it was kind of fun to reflect on that stuff yeah it's pretty wild man I mean I I think about brother and like what would it have been like if I would have had Capone not in a suit but like in you know jeans and and a t-shirt I mean it would just change the whole feeling of that character you know completely it's funny it's like so important yet sometimes you get a little bit too stuck on the details that no one ever see you know yeah for me like the two things that i think of when i'm trying to do wardrobe is um one is the act does the actor look comfortable and are they comfortable and then two like how does it fit in with the the production design because you like for me i i think of wardrobe a lot of just like fitting into like an overall look in the frame like you don't want the colors to not match everything else that you're shooting right yeah especially if like everyone's wearing a certain like you know color palette and then there's one person who's wearing something completely different (laughs) if even if it's just a background extra that can make a big difference you know and like kind of fuck your frame up so yeah i think i think there's a lot of thought goes into it for a good reason but i think yeah I don't know. You got to pump your brakes sometimes, um, especially if <laughs> you're not crazy. in the situation where you can like, cause I think for you guys, it's like, you have the budget, you can do this and why not? You should, but like for, you know, independent filmmakers or people working on more constrained situations, it's like, you got to choose your battles, you know, yeah, that's me. Let's jump over to you. All right. Well, so I just finished a, basically a little bit over a week stint at a production company editing, um, like corporate video, mm-hmm. which was really fun. It was like totally like your kind of environment on a very small, 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 small scale. Mm-hmm. But they had me come in and, and do editing for them on this one project. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. I had a great time. And yeah, I you liked it. You liked I, the nine to five. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would really want to do it at m- many other companies um, because there's a lot of factors to why I like this this place. I think I, I like the size, you know, for one. And I mean, I know there's a lot of production companies of that size in the Bay Area, but I really like the size. I, I mean, I know one of the owners pretty well. I've known him for like three or four years. So I think that helps a lot. I don't know. I just like the environment, you know, and, and and the company, that production company, their aspirations are for are towards feature filmmaking. They want to make feature narratives. Oh, that's cool. And, and particularly, there's the one of the principals. Uh, he has a couple horror features that he wants to get made. So being a part of a company like that, that like wants to make narrative projects, and you know, they would potentially have me uh, be a part of some of those productions. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that would be pretty exciting. 
So did you guys talk about this stuff at all while you were there? A little bit, not not much. I mean, I think they're they're sort of got some funding um, that that could potentially come through in the next few months, and if that happens, then they'll be off to the races, you know. But I mean, who knows? Those things are always so up in the air. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's like we we just sort of did this one project as a test. I think so far so good. And like you know, if they have another project for me to work on for a longer period, like for like a month or something, or multiple projects all in a row, I think that would really be like the real test like one week's one thing but like doing it four weeks or five weeks or eight weeks in a row like that's a total different thing you know (laughs) yeah so your project is done and now you're back to freelancing yeah as of i mean i I basically i finished it last night at seven i did the color and the audio last night at seven we sent it off and then this morning i just before i started recording this podcast like i saw an email from the client saying it was approved so oh, great. So yeah. Congratulations. I, that was the hope. The hope was that like, you know, we would we would get approval and then I wouldn't have to come in today at all to finish anything up. Yeah. Um and that looks like it's good to go and Yeah. Did you ever have clients in the room with you? Um no, this, that was one of the best things about it is that I didn't have to do, deal with the client directly because I am the just the editor. So I had a producer and and the principals to deal with the client. So I only was on one phone call with him, but that was like pretty much my only client interaction. And uh, I really liked that. That was awesome, you know, because <laughs> because for me, it's like I'm usually like doing everything. It's like I have to like, be, you know, talk to the client, do the budget, edit the video, shoot <laughs> right. the video, all the things. And and being a little segmented and just having to edit was like, this is kind of refreshing. Yeah. And so you when you had an edit to share... Did anyone at the company look at it or you just sent it directly to the client? No, they always, before I went to the client, I always got approved by either, by first the producer and then the principal would also approve it before we sent it to client. And then sometimes the, the, one of the principals or both of them would come in and give me specific notes, you know, to execute before uh, we sent it off to client. Gotcha. So they're like the quality control people before yeah. the client sees it. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and and it was fun, and it was pretty hands off, and and I was like, you know, kind of at one point wondering like, well, I'm getting like no direction here, like, okay, I'll just do what I think is best, and apparently that was like part of the test was like, you know, if they withheld information from me, like, what, how would I do? <laughs> right. And uh, I guess I did pretty well, so you know, okay. you passed. Yeah, pass. But uh, the one really exciting thing I want to talk about, and um, you know, this is I don't know if I'm actually gonna leave this in or not, just depending, but. Uh, the the crypt TV plot thickens a little bit. Um, okay, I got Talk to me. I got an email from one of their guys over there on Saturday, asking if I was interested in producing some genre short form content for them. Interesting. And I was like, "Whoa, hold on here!" Like the thoughts started running through my head, like, "What? Like, how do they find me? Like, do they do they hear me talk about them on the podcast? Like, what what was going on?" Blah blah blah. And I but I played it's a, a really, trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not that we said anything bad about them, you know, like, I think, uh, you know, they look like a really exciting company, and they're obviously doing some really cool work. It was just that, like, one contract that we got was, like, totally, you know, not in our favor as filmmakers. It was more in the favor of of them, which, you know, of course, that's how it goes. But I didn't, you know, I didn't even ask, I don't even know how they found me still at at this stage. Like, I just, you know, asked them, you know, said I was interested, and, you know asked them what they were thinking. And then they gave me like, um, you know, some details of like what they want. And I mean, I don't know if I really want to say the numbers, but I mean, basically for like a two minute, like a uh, horror short that features a killer or a creature of some kind, you know, like some <laughs> sort of like kind of slasher killer threat villain element. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, 
basically a third of what over my dead body cost. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which that was a challenging budget as it was. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like, okay. And then they would own everything and, um, and all that stuff. And, and your then the, name might not even be on it. My name might not be even be on it. Exactly. And like, uh, you know, it, it would be a three week turnaround from when they green light a project. So they want them done really quickly. Wait, who writes the script? <laughs> I think I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure I would write the scripts. Like so I would pitch them multiple script ideas oh until gosh. they greenlight one, and then I have to get it done in three weeks. God, what do you think about these guys? They're like going out there trying to like get people to make stuff for them for cheap and some and give them content for free, right? And they're benefiting off of it. What's what's the benefit to you? You know, I think the benefit would be exposure. And I mean, I think a big part of that is if I get my name and um, like get credits on there or not. And I did some research into to watching more of their videos and the majority don't have credits, but there's a couple that do. So there's a few that actually have like either one or two credit cards of some kind interesting well because one thing i don't think i talked about in the contract or even my negotiations with them was they did say that they wanted to be able to take the credits off of the movie mm -hmm. yeah so i wonder if maybe you can negotiate it if you do give them one of your films if you can like say well you can take all the credits off except for these two cards or something yeah. like that I mean, I don't think I would give them a current film. I would probably like, uh, you know, just try to make a, make one for them, maybe, you yeah. know. But uh, I mean, that's a really challenging budget to work with. And, and then like, you know, the timing is really challenging, too. And, you know, you always say like, you can have it, you know, fast and cheap, but then it won't be good. Or you can have it like <laughs> right. good and cheap, but you have to take a lot of time to do it, you know. So they're kind of like putting you in a tough position with the fast and cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's tough too, because you're you're not getting paid and no one's getting paid. And the only people that stand to benefit from it is them. And I guess you'll have something for your reel. But if you look at it the way that like you could do this yourself, and then you could put it up on YouTube and put advertising on it and make your own money. Yeah, but they're you know? guaranteeing. I mean, you look at the videos on there, on their, on their thing, and like the the lowest one is like thirty thousand hits, right? Like, like some of them have two point five million, like right. or they have eyeballs. Yeah, they have tons of exposure and the connection to Blumhouse and Eli Roth, like to like even like I probably won't would never ever meet them, you know, doing working with these guys, but like just being able to say like I produce content for their company i think like that's sort of a big thing to have you know mm -hmm. like a little feather in your cap but i think yeah like you, you, the thing you want out of this is exposure so like the credits is sort of a big deal like you know you needing to have your name associated to the content i think <laughs> is becoming like it's like a really big thing so yeah i'm hoping to have a conversation with with this this guy um you know in the next couple of days like on the phone and just like ask a whole bunch of questions like figure it all out like get exactly the specifics the other thing i'm worried about is if i write let's say i pitch them like four or five ideas four or five scripts that i write that i send to them or even if i just pitch them like treatment ideas it's like okay well now do they suddenly own those because i pitched them, them to them or yeah. or do they only own it once they green light it and you know i, I don't think i could be in the position where like if, if they said no no like everything that you write for us and you send to us we now own i i just don't think i could be comfortable with that because then it's like i'm just generating like tons and t like endless amount of free content for them that they could either use with me or without me and other things like whatever, you know? So yeah. 
I, I don't know. I think I would be comfortable if like it was like, okay, like you can pitch us ideas, but we don't own them until we green light it. Then that's when the ownership starts. I'll be like, okay, that's that's fair enough. I mean, it's still not fair, but at least it's a little bit more fair. I only have one request. What's that? When you sign an agreement, make sure there's not an NDA in there. Because it would really suck if you got this job and one, you couldn't talk about it on the podcast, but two, you couldn't tell anybody that you did it because you're, you know, that you're not allowed to even say anything. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I was looking around and it seems like, you know, the people who made different, different shorts would like, like, you know, share them or whatever, even if they didn't have mm-hmm. credits on or if their name wasn't mentioned in, in the post on Crypt TV, they would just share them like, check out my movie on Crypt TV or whatever. Yeah. So I think if you can do that, like that's that's good enough, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess you can look at it this way too. When you see a commercial on TV, there's no credits. That's true. You know, there's a lot of people that work on those things and the credits exist out in the world. They're just not at the end of the piece. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just think that like they're doing something that I think is really cool. Like they're, they're basically doing like funny or die for horror, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we talked about doing something like that or like we should do something like that in, in previous episodes of the podcast. And then here it is. It's a, it already exists. <laughs> right. It's like we should, I, sh- I mean, I should do everything I can to be a part of it, you know? But I mean, my, my biggest fear is that if like, okay, I take a, I pitch idea, I'm very limited and then it doesn't end up being as good as it should be, then they could potentially not even air it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I just did all that work, took all that time used up all my favors yeah exactly and then they own it they i can't own it. You i can't, can't use i can't submit it to film festivals you can't release it can't exactly like yeah it doesn't exist it's like it doesn't exist and so i guess that's probably my biggest concern is that if they don't think it's up to snuff that they will just bury it you know well don't fuck up then yeah don't fuck up but it's i mean easy um and i have to come up with a concept that that can fit that you know you just do like what the people who submit commercials to crash the super bowl for doritos and just spend your own money no, to make something mm, great no no <laughs> oh no no way that's not happening i'm not spending my own money on this i mean that's that's like well one my wife would absolutely kill me like there's no way that she would like i mean i already we talked about it i'm like there's just so you know, I'm not doing that. She's like, oh, I know you're not doing that because you wouldn't be allowed. To, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. No <laughs> one should do that. Like, no, no one should do that. No I mean, one I, should do that. I bet people do, though. I mean, like, oh, I'm sure. I'm like, sure. They, they see it as an opportunity and they want to get something out there. They wanted to get a bunch of hits. Right, right. to give it the best chance it can. Like, I'm just going to approach my collaborators, like the people that I work with who I, who I like, and just be like, this is the situation. Like, I have X dollars it's this avenue and this platform. Do you want to come together and help me make something really cool? And, you know, people are either going to say yes or no. And I think mm-hmm. I know, I, I think I know at least a few people who are going to be down to play, you know? Um, but it just, I have to be able to like use all my resources to make this happen because like, you know, like you're just such a, such a limit. And then the time is like, you're limited on so many different th- levels, you know? Yeah. That's um, huge. But I just think it's too too cool of an opportunity to pass up, and and the chance to direct something again is so tempting, you know. And I mean, I know I should be just spending focusing my my energy on the alternate, and you know, using the time I have. Like I'm not going to be at this company for at least two weeks, probably. Like where I'm back in the freelance world. Like that's perfect time to like focus on the alternate, get it all done, get the material, start raising money, blah blah blah, push it, push it, push it. But like instead, I'm going to go off and try to make this short film. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the better choice. I don't know. I just, think it's just all a ploy it's for you to sign a contract. And then they're going to 
dig up these old episodes that we talked about them and they're going to be like, ha, you got to take those down now. You got to, you got to. <laughs> it's all a ploy. Right. It's all a ploy to make, to erase all the conversations we've had about Crypt TV. But we haven't said anything bad about them. We, no, you know, we haven't. I think they, I mean, I, I'm excited about them. I think it's a really cool thing and. You know, I'm. I uh, I feel like, yeah. I mean, they're not necessarily putting filmmakers in the best position with like those requirements. But again, I mean, it is a challenge. It's not impossible, you know. And I'm sure there's lots of young and hungry filmmakers who, who are way are way capable to to do something with that, you know. Mm-hmm. I just think when you're when you, after you've made like four or five projects for like you know three thousand to twenty thousand dollars, like it just it seems a little more daunting, you know, but I just got to like take that mindset back to when I was, you know, just starting out and just making things for $0, you know? Right. But like somehow try to retain the quality of the $20,000 piece within the the mindset (laughs) of the $0 piece. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. Let us know what happens and how it develops. Yeah. I really hope you can talk about it on the podcast. I hope this all makes it in. Yeah, least, or at least a portion of it. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you get an email from them t- too, because like, it, it, you know, it's funny. Like, I got really excited when I first got the email, but then like, as soon as I showed it to to my to my wife and to my brother, it's like they're like, oh yeah, like this is obviously a canned email. Like, like he just <laughs> he just copy and pasted and like right. wrote your like wrote hello. He didn't even put your name on the top. He just wrote hello, copy and paste, and then put some dates on the. You know, it was just like. <laughs> So I was like, oh, wait, I'm less special than I thought I was. Did they you write know? you at the, the Purcell Productions email address? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I they, mean, got, they got in touch with me through my Spin Dry Productions address, too. So they're going to websites. They're visiting websites, and they're hitting that contact button. Yeah, that must be what it is. That They're like... Um... They're, they're finding you, yeah, finding people like on, yeah, just through like t- typing horror film or horror short or something and then like finding mm-hmm. these movies and then going to the filmmakers. That, that must be it, right? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Like, if I hopefully, I mean, who knows? Like, th- this could never, not even progress any further than what it's at right now. Like, basically, the, you know, the point, the last email was like, I wanted to set up a conversation, you know, with him and I haven't heard back. So, I love that you got all excited and your family and friends are just kind of like, it's not to you. It's just to a person who's made horror films. And it's like, it's like, it is for you. It's good. They chose you. You got this. It's, it's great. But, <laughs> but, but, you, you know, know, it's yeah. not like they saw, oh, Albert Purcell, we need him. He's the one who has the vision to make the thing. It's just like, no, you're just a, a guy who's made movies. Yeah, just another that, filmmaker out there making horror films. That they can use to get some <laughs> some content for cheap. You know, like you're not, they're not going to like invite you to fly you out and meet Eli Roth and sit you down and make you the next big thing. It's like, right. that's not I like that your about. wife's not feeding your ego. She's just kind of like, yeah, just settle down for a second here. Yeah. <laughs> Cool it. Cool your jets. Be be cool here, you know. Uh, but I don't know. Anyways, I, I I'm excited. I really I do hope this makes it in too. I mean, I I guess I'm I'm a little nervous that like talking about it at this stage, you know, is like gonna piss them off potentially. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm so. People are are generally cool, right? Right? You know, like mm, I don't know. You don't think it's hard so? to say. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. We don't know yet. <laughs> well, we're still. Very small podcast producer. I'm right. sure if you're at a level where there's a lot of people listening and you're talking about somebody, they're going to start caring. Yeah. So, well, I, so how I do we know. transition I, over to the topic of the week? Topic of the week. Well, I mean, 
you know, talking about producing a horror short, you just produced your big budget. I mean, can you even say what the budget was for the commercial that you that you produced? Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it's more than a million. (laughs) (laughs) More than a million. More than a million dollars. A 30 second spot. Is that what it's going to be? It's a 60 second with a 30 cut down. Um, the reason it's costing so much is because there's a big portion of it that goes to licensing uh, music that we're using in it. And then it's a four day shoot. And, and right. in the commercial world, a four day shoot is, I think that we spend between, it depends on the director, but I think it's probably like $200,000 a day. So yeah. that's like $800,000 right there just to wow. shoot it. Yeah. You know, gone, gone. Just spent it up and up and smoke yeah <laughs> yeah crazy so. well here let let's i like the way that you have this structured here so like if you so let's say that we didn't know anything about what a producer is and what a producer does like what do you think a producer would do on set gosh i if in my film school head i would have never even thought about a producer being on set mm. i just don't it's not even like a job description that i would even think about like, what do they do? Like, to me, it's almost like a behind-the-scenes person, a person who kind of puts the production together, hires the director and the DP, and puts the script package together, and then it's like, all right, go make your movie. And then if they do show up on set, they would just be some annoyance. Well, and you'd, you'd be like, you'd like block, try to keep the producer from coming on set. But you're talking more from like <laughs> a, a place of experience is what that sounds like. That doesn't sound like an, a novice, nobody experience. Maybe the, maybe from film film school, I guess. No, because I would think like a movie produced by Steven Spielberg was more of just like an executive job, like sitting in a desk at, in an office and like putting together a package, but not actually participating in the the movie itself. It's almost like they just kind of like, all right, well, we got you guys together. Go make your movie. We'll, we'll intervene if you guys start going over a budget or or the dailies don't look that good. Yeah. Well, that's funny. So here, here's for me. It's like when when I before I got on sets, um, I, I just like I didn't really think about what a producer do, did. I just thought it was like, yeah, that's a really important position. It's like the director is the director. They're the boss. And then the producer, you know, she's the one who's like producing the movie. They're like producing it. They're like actually making it happen. And like, I guess in my stupid brain, like I was like, well, I I just thought it was more of a hands-on type of uh, position, like involved with the creative, you know, like there with the DP, with the director, like crafting it, producing it, you know, and then I get on set and it's like, you know, it's like not that at all. Like I wanted to be in production (laughs) department because I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to produce the movie. I want to be a part of the production, like get me on set. On, in, in the production department. That's the department I want to work on. And then you get to production and you're like, oh, wait, this is not at all that. <laughs> Couldn't be further from that, really, yeah. <laughs> in the end. So, like, when I got into set, it's like, what I realized the production department did, it's like they didn't really have anything to do with the creative or anything. All, all What they had to do was, like, with all the logistics, it was like, does everyone know where they're going? Are, are there bathrooms on set? Does, do people know where the bathrooms are on set? Like, where are the trucks going to park? Does the 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 the, 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 tr- the transpo captain know where to put all the trucks at this location? Like, did you talk to the locations person? So it was like way more of a like a managerial, like sort of connective logistical sort of department and like you know you got to worry about like are there trash cans like is there enough food at the crafty tables the crafty person doing their job like is (laughs) is lunch going to be ready on time like it's like all these things that are like to me it's like that 
couldn't have less to do with the production, but in, in actuality, that's what the production department's responsible for. And as a producer, that's like, you know, those are the things that you need to make sure are happening, whether or not you're doing them yourself. Like you have to make sure that they're, they're being done by somebody. And I guess when you get high enough level, it's like you get more and more disconnected from those things, but right. it's still like, that's what you need to do to me. You know, I guess what I learned is that there's a lot of people in the production team. It's not just a producer. Right. And especially on like the big budget level where it's like it's, you know, there's a whole team of people that are supporting the production department and doing all these different jobs. But yeah, I think in my head, I always thought it was just kind of like there's a producer and that producer just kind of like is a top level person that like puts the film together. But then it's like, well, then who does all the other work of like hiring crew and managing budgets and schedules and finding the bathrooms and finding helping find the locations and all that stuff. So and it's it's a team. Yeah. So, what are the different types of producers that you that you know of on set? Because there's so many different types of producers. Oh yeah. On the set that I was just on, like I was one producer, and that producer was that my job is the agency producer. So I represent the agency side of things. So I actually don't really have much to do with hiring crew or managing the schedule or like kind of organizing any part of the shoot. Like I'm there to talk with the clients and the creative team and be kind of a go between the production company and the agency. And then on the uh, production company side, they have a producer that's kind of like my contact person and they manage all the logistics for, they're like the key point for all the logistics of that shoot. And then underneath them, they have a production coordinator, they have a production manager, uh, they have PAs, but they have their own like little production team that does all the other business of putting together uh, pre-pro books, putting together schedules, putting together all the other logistics of the shoot that, that have to happen, like coordinating between all the different departments to make sure everyone knows where they go, when they need to be there, like you said, where the bathrooms are and all that stuff. Under that producer, did they have like a production supervisor underneath them or a production manager or were they, or were they kind of filling that role of production manager as well? I think that like at a commercial shoot, the person that I talk to directly is, is considered a line producer. Okay. And so they, they handle like the entire budget. I guess they handled like the main budget and then they have people working under them and they're like team to do all the other like side tasks. So she has like, she had a pretty good handle on everything that was going on all the time she was constantly in contact with the director so at if at any point i had a question i could just be like what are we doing now or like or what are we setting up for and she'd she'd know the answer mm, interesting yeah because I, I worked on a commercial a long time ago as a, as a i think i was a production coordinator or just a pa even but that was interesting because there was like the production manager and then there was like a production supervisor and production coordinator and then like you know like a s- assistant production coordinator. And then there was like all the PAs and then there was like the AD team and there was like a bunch of ADs. It's just like this huge sprawling thing, like within production. I was just like, man, like there's so many people. I don't even know what all those people do. And I think every team's like slightly different. I know that there's normally a production team underneath the producer that I have contact with, but I don't really talk to them. I'm usually just a contact with the production company's line producer and we we form like a really strong bond and relationship because we're constantly talking to each other and and making sure that we're on the same page with what we're doing yeah yeah well like on the feature that i worked on in in march the one i was script supervisor on they had a producer and a line producer and they were like like Mm. tag team duo extraordinaire 
like they would basically handle everything and like the producer would kind of handle like all like the logistical things and all the um like you know making sure that everything was running smoothly and like if something needed to get done she would make sure it would get done either by sending a pa or just going to do it herself like she was just like on it on it on it and then the line producer would basically like she would delegate tasks to him and then but then his thing was like anything budget related anything to relate with the money you go to him so like you don't bother the producer with the money questions you bother the line producer with the money questions and then he needs to decide if if they can do that and then like confer with the producer if need be if he needs more money you know that kind of That's thing true. the other thing that made my shoot a little bit more difficult or I guess a little bit more convoluted than the normal shoot is because we were shooting in another country, the U.S. production company that I had hired sent the, another producer out to be mm. the U.S. producer. Oh, my goodness. He didn't really have much of a role. I mean, sometimes if you shoot in another country, what will happen is that the line producer in the other country is like doesn't have the same process and procedure that we are used to, like shooting in L.A. And so you have like an American producer there to help kind of like bridge the gap. But the Spanish production team was so amazing and so great that he really just kind of sat around and didn't really do a whole lot. And then... Wow. Also because it was like uh, my agency's first relationship with this production company and director, they sent out an executive producer to ma- just to make sure everything went smoothly and that everyone was happy. Wow. So lots of, lots so of people. EP of the company. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of producers on set. The two main ones, I would say that were kind of like, at least for me, on my experience, the two main ones were me and the line producer just kind of making sure that everything was running according to plan. So what do you actually do when you're on set um, on a job like that? Like, what's your, what are your actual things that you're doing? If I do my job right leading up to the shoot, not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I can just kind of sit back and watch it unfold. Mm-hmm. But what I'll do is I'll be kind of sitting in the background in Video Village with the client and the creatives and the account team and just kind of listening. Just, there's a lot of talking that goes on, a lot of thinking about like our is this is this set dressing okay is the do they look comfortable are they giving the right performance and i'm just kind of like listening to make sure that either they're working through it without us having to ask for anything additional or if they do need something additional is and no one's like stepping up to go tell the producer or tell the director that they need it then i'll go do it myself so i'm like finding places where i need to fill the gap and then I'll like jump in and then also just kind of being an outside observer and making sure we're capturing all the things that we need, answering questions. Like a lot of times the client or creative will be like, where are we now? Like what's, what's coming up next? And I'll have an answer for them. So I know like, here's what we're doing now. Here's what's coming up next. We're taking lunch in an hour. Um, I'll remind people to watch the monitor. <laughs> so <laughs> That's it's funny. like, hey, we're shooting now. Is uh, so is are the clients and the creatives? Do they ever talk to the producer or the director or anything, or do you always do that kind of in between middleman type stuff? It depends. It's a it's on a shoot by shoot basis. If the creative team's pretty experienced, a lot of times they'll just like take the initiative and go talk to somebody. But then I've been on other productions where 
everyone expects me as a producer to constantly be the go go between and pass information on to the producer or the director directly. Yeah, I think as as a director, like you probably just want one person to be coming to you yeah. or to the producer because it's like you know, what if like three creatives come up to you and they each tell you different things? It's like, well, which one do you listen to? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. it, need, so it needs to be filtered through somebody. That's you know? usually kind of like my biggest job is just managing all the comments that are coming from Video Village. Because like on this shoot, we had two clients, two account people and three creatives. So what is that? Seven people in wow. the tent. All of them have their own opinions. And if you're not working well together as a team and everyone wants different things, it does get really overwhelming. So, um, you know, it w- it was a really smooth shoot. And the creative team had already kind of picked the their one guy to go back and forth between the director. And then a lot of times our line producer was sitting in the tent with us and was able to just pass stuff up over the radio to the AD and get stuff done. But, you know, it was... It's not always that clean and efficient. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit more wrangling and, you know, some directors don't even want to talk to creatives during the shoot. Right. And so then we have to figure out like a new process to get information to them. Are you on walkie during the shoot day? No, they, and- don't, they don't allow me to have a walkie. Do they uh, do they give you com context so you can hear what's going on, or do you just have a speaker next to the monitor? How does that work? Uh, we weren't shooting audio on this one, but if uh, we okay. are shooting audio, we'll all have context. Wow, all all eight of you or seven of you or whatever. Yeah, man, that's a lot for the audio team, man. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I've been like, because on on the movies I've worked on, it's it was a challenge just to get two, like one for the director and one for the scripty, <laughs> like on the commercials I've you know worked as a PA on or whatever, I've seen like the, 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 the sea of producers and creatives all with their comtex in, you know, some of them falling asleep, some of them paying attention. You know? Oh yeah. The, the first day of the shoot, everyone's paying attention. But if you, there, you have more than one day, then, you know, by day two, people are start checking their emails on their computers. And by day three, like people were watching like soccer games and tennis games inside Video Village. I was constantly being like, we're rolling. Hey guys, we're rolling. Watch this. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It looks like you guys good. We're moving on. I do a lot of like moving on. We're moving on. Everyone cool. We're moving on. All right, cool. Do you guys uh, often ask for additional takes? Yeah. Uh, The way that it worked on this one was, uh, the director would do like one take to kind of just figure things out. He would do a second take where he felt like really good about it. And then the agency would get a third take. Wow. Agency slash client. Interesting. So we did roughly three takes each time. Wow. And the director usually got what he what they wanted um, in the first take? Yeah. Nice. Was it a man or a woman directing? A man. Okay. Interesting. How often have you worked with female directors? Hmm... Not very many. Oh, really? Uh, last year, I worked with Melody McDaniel mm. on a Comcast job. And then um, it's been like since 2008, <laughs> since the last one before wow. that. Interesting. And that was a husband-wife directing team. Wow, crazy. But yeah, there's not a lot of female directors out there. Yeah. When I was working on that TV show, you know, back in 2008, 2009, or whenever it was, I think it was 2009, um, there was like one female director who came in to direct, to direct an episode. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And, uh, you know, I didn't really, I don't get to talk to the director as a PA, obviously, but I got to see her work a little bit and see, it was cool. It was fun to see some, some different, some diversity, you know? Yeah. I love it when you work with a female director, though, because so much of the crew ends up being women. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's awesome. Like when you see that, like on this shoot, 
the the producer was a woman and she did a really good job of hiring a lot of women not just in the production department but also like on the camera crew there was a few women you know wardrobe was all women makeup was all women so i felt like there's a lot of women on the crew was it great did you fly crew out from america or was it like all barcelona crew okay everyone's local nice that's awesome yeah yeah, I, I like that better personally. Like, I think, you know, when, when I hear of like people flying like, you know, ACs from New York or LA to different like shoots <laughs> around the country or, or different, different places in the world, even it's just like, you know, I'm sure you can find like a good AC, you know, wherever you are, you know, or a good camera. I mean, it's like, I don't think you need to, but I mean, I don't know. I guess some people like to, to keep their teams together. So I, I get yeah, it. Yeah. I think it depends. It's probably depends a lot on the, the DP and what they're comfortable with. Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess let's talk a little bit about what my experience is yeah. <laughs> producing. So I'll just talk about uh, producing uh, A Good Man, the Korean uh, short film that we just finished. And uh, hopefully we'll cut a trailer for that too so I can show you guys something from it because it's pretty I'm pretty proud of it um but uh but basically on set I'm like doing everything (laughs) basically (laughs) making sure that uh and I mean running around like a madman basically and I mean on this one I was the producer and the AD so I had double duty you know because like there was no AD to run the show um so I was like running the show making sure that like all the trucks were parked where they needed to be making sure that all the actors were getting into the right wardrobe making sure that everybody knew what they were doing and what was going on making sure that there was craft services was fine that there was a place for it making sure that the trash cans were there that there was bathrooms wherever we were making sure that um the lunch was getting ordered and gonna be there on time so he wouldn't get a you know be late and get a meal penalty although in that situation there if if somebody tried to bill us a meal penalty we wouldn't be able to pay them we'd just be like sorry (laughs) no meal penalties on this job guys Uh, but yeah just making sure all the little things like if if anybody needed anything they would come to me like for instance like i got to set and the first thing like uh the the best boy comes up to me and is like best boy electric and he's like okay so um yeah i need to get um some gasoline for our generator uh we've got about half a tank so uh we should get that in the next hour or two so immediately going to my first pa being like okay (laughs) here's a gas can like here's some money go 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 get a gas get me a receipt so i'm like constantly sending people on runs and at the same time watching the clock making sure that we're getting out of there on time you know checking in with the dp like okay how long do we have until we're ready checking with the director are the actors ready are you ready how long do you need and then just like calling the shoot and then getting right back to like making sure everything's running smoothly so (laughs) So i'm just let me ask you this did you guys have a a first ad on set no no i was the first ad okay and so (laughs) so you're doing the job of like producer first ad second ad or like the three things i kind of heard right doing what uh, what other kind of jobs do you think you're taking on probably like production coordinator (laughs) too you know um yeah just a, a little bit of everything really i mean if i had an ad it would still be really challenging because like you basically but like it's nice if if you can let the ad run the show it's like okay well now i just have to make sure that everyone's happy and that everything's happening and that like we're getting to the the place that we need to be and i mean sometimes you you even as a producer you still have to like check on the, the ad and make sure the ad is running on schedule yeah, because because yeah. like, even though they're they're doing a job of staying on their schedule and getting all the shots like they might not be aware of all the the the, the little details and it sort of becomes like a collaboration between the producer and the AD to make sure that those things are all lined up, you know? And I would have much preferred to have an AD on that job, 
but we just didn't have the budget for it. So I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And, you know, um, I think I did a pretty good job. We, we got all our shots. We got, we got yeah, things handled. That's a lot to take care of. But it's also like, I mean, the things I didn't mention, it's like, you know, if anybody from the neighborhood or the world has anything that they need to, to talk to about, any questions, any concerns, that's my job. So like cops roll up i go talk to the cops make sure that <laughs> right you know i answer any questions i'm, I'm like the face of the production you know yeah. like if a neighbor has a question it's like oh what do you need oh because this is what we're doing this like, how long are right, we here all right come over here exactly yeah, yeah yeah so it's like you have to be super focused super friendly and super aware of what's going on and like super on schedule and then make sure that nothing is slipping through the cracks. Cause then you're also making sure that you're getting all the shots that like, Oh, there's this one thing the director mentioned in our meeting that they wanted to make sure that we got for the scene. Does the DP know that we need that? You know, like yeah. all those things. So it, it really becomes a, a quite a all inclusive responsibility. And then like dealing with like the locations, people like who, who own locations, making sure they're happy. If they have questions, ah, man, it's a, uh, it's a lot, but I, I, but it's fun. Like I enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I would love to have like a bigger production department, you know, and it would have made things a lot easier, but you know, you, you do what you have to do with, with what you've got, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. So really how about f- an executive producer or top level producer? What would they do on set? Well, I mean, <laughs> have you ever been on a set with like somebody like that? I guess over my dead body, we had some executive yeah. producers, but they ended up just filling in the roles we didn't have. Like, remember a few of them did catering for us. Yeah. And one person did like wardrobe and makeup. Yeah. They were sort of like, they're like, whatever you need, let us know. Yeah. So that was sort of an unusual sort of executive producer type thing. <laughs> yeah. So that one thing I did uh, last year, the uh, Necessary Evil uh, web series that went on to become the gray area, which is, uh, I think, I know they shot the first full episode of the gray area, but I don't know if it's out yet. But uh, on that shoot, there was the executive producer was there. And it was sort of interesting because it was like the executive producer was, you know, the one who funded the whole thing. And like he was, you know, part of the production. But that was pretty much his only role, except he, he we used him as an extra as well. So that was one thing. But he was he was great and fantastic and just like really thrilled with what we were putting together and like like the professional crew that I had brought out and all that stuff. And then the, the woman who is the lead and the writer, she was also sort of an executive producer. I guess she was a producer really, but she's sort of tied to the money also. So she kind of felt a little bit both. So it was sort of interesting to be like directing an actor who is also the, basically the executive producer or like your boss in a lot, in a way. So that was sort of a, I don't know. I don't think that's my preferred (laughs) way of doing it because it's like, it just sort of becomes a little bit more sensitive because it's like, you don't want to, like, you want to get the best performance, but like, you know, they're your boss. So you don't, if they think differently than you, you basically have to do the way that they want kind of. Right. I'm guessing at a certain level, executive producers will, will jump in and help out if they feel like they need to and provide some guidance. Like if Steven Spielberg's your executive producer and he's on set that day and he notices something, I'm sure he's going to come up and be like, hey, you know, I've been in this situation before and here's here's the way you should do it. Yeah, but I, I think executive producers are often just like the money people and uh, yeah. often aren't even on set, you know. And they're probably just hanging out there cause if they do come just to like see it and be a part of it but they don't have a they don't really have a job right well so (laughs) here's here's another situation i was on a movie that i um was the basically an audio assistant on so i was doing like additional boom pole operator and that executive producer he was 
interesting because I thought that he was the AD when I first walked on set, the way that he was acting. <laughs> he was like hands-on. He was so hands-on. He was like directing the background. He was directing the actors even sometimes. Like he was like coming up and telling the DP and the director what he wanted, what, what to do. He was like running around like a crazy person. And I was like, whoa, wow. like what is going on? On the commercial side of things, like the executive producer is usually like the top level of the production company. They kind of like run a lot of the day-to-day. They're like the first person I call when I have a job that helps me kind of like coordinate the bid and, and everything and, and get the director on the phone. So a lot of times they'll show up on set to hang out with us for like a half a day or a day just to make sure everyone's happy and everyone's getting along. Yeah. Um, that's about it. I mean, that's kind of my experience with executive producers. I guess Spirit Machine had some executive producers, but it was like not very well defined. One of them was my friend Jake, who was also to me was like kind of like that would be the equivalent of an agency producer in a feature film. He mm. was like my go between between the production department. Mm. Like the so he was like a go between between like the director and the production department and I just wanted to talk to him and then he would go kind of figure out the logistics with them. Oh, and then he was like my creative sidekick too. Like he was always next to me when I was shooting and after I was done with a take when I felt like good I would like turn to him and be like you, you, can you think of anything else and he'd be like no looks good it's like great let's move on or sometimes he would like jump in with like a, an idea that I hadn't thought of because you know when you're directing sometimes you're in a fog and and, and was his role was his title producer uh he had yeah the title of both producer and executive producer yeah because i guess that's sort of in my mind like what i think ideally what a producer would be able to do is just worry about making sure that you're getting what you want as the director Mm -hmm. and that you know nothing is getting slipped there's nothing is slipped slipping through the cracks and that creatively you're staying on the vision of the script and you're staying on point you know and that making sure you get everything that you need, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. And you were the same type of person for me on Over My Dead Body where like I could turn to you and we both knew what we were going after. And if I was feeling a little lost, I could be like, did I get everything? Am I cool? And right. You're also my first AD. Right. Yeah. Was so little, that was, that was an both. easy transition. Yeah. It is <laughs> interesting because like that was a fun set because I mean, that was sort of the same sort of thing I was doing on... Uh, a good man but just in a much smaller capacity because the crew was like a lot smaller i think that was like a 10 person crew or eight person Mm -hmm. crew and a good man was like 18 people so i mean like 10 more people makes a big difference (laughs) you know on the low budget stuff you just don't have that big of a team no not usually yeah i'm sure the producer of the the feature that i worked on would love to have been there on set the whole time (laughs) But, but she only got to be on set probably like 40% 40% of the time, maybe, because mm-hmm. she was always running around just putting out fires and doing other things, you know? And I guess it's like you, you do what you have to to get the movie made. That's kind of what I feel like a producer ends up doing is just filling in all the roles that they need to to get a movie made, especially at our level. Like, the, we don't, we're not usually working on a union crew, so you're just kind of jumping in and making everything happen and just keeping the production moving forward and keeping it on time, keeping it on budget and just doing it yeah doing what you gotta do doing what you gotta do to make it happen but i like what you said like the producer is the face of the production that's true you know they're the face to to the crew and then they're also the face to the outside world too you know yeah so it's like they're the person who's like you know i think what if the producer's a happy person who's like feeling good about things and heads in a good space like i think the whole team 
would benefit from that, you know, but if the producer's stressing out and freaking out and like, <laughs> it's like taking over. Cause I mean, you're going to be stressed no matter what. Like, I, I mean, I'm always at some level of stressed as a producer, mm-hmm. but I Me think too. you can always, you can still be stressed and be positive, you know, mm-hmm. like just because you're stressed doesn't mean that you have to be negative. So I feel like on a good man, I did a good job of being stressed, but also being like, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing great. This is gonna be awesome. This is great. We're, we're doing okay. Like, even when we lost our location, like I, I, I tried not to show that to the crew as much as possible, like to show, show my, my <laughs> frustration and, and try right. to just be like, you know what? We might not shoot at that location, but we're going to make a movie tomorrow. Like it's happening. Yeah, it's still happening. We're good. Whatever it is. We don't know where we're shooting or what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. We're going to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, don't you worry. Don't worry. We're fine. I mean, we're not, we're, we'll be fine. That's great. You know? But what else is there to say about this? I don't know, man. I think we did a pretty good job of talking about it. I mean, yeah, there, I think I there's good too. There's more you could say about producing. So it's such a big, all encompassing thing. And we didn't really talk at all about pre-production. We just talked about being on set. We didn't talk about post-production at all, but uh, I think that's a really good sense of the different types of producers and the different ways you can go about producing a project, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of a confusing topic because until you've actually experienced a bunch of sets, it's probably hard to just kind of figure this stuff out on your own. But I would just say like, if you don't know, you've never been on a set where you've seen other producers work, just if you're and you're producing something, just jump in and fill in every role that you need to, just to keep the production moving forward. Yeah, and and don't and like I, I would always I just say like don't think that anything's above you as a producer. Right. Like if, if you have to take out the trash, then that's what you have to do. You know, like um on the 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 Francis Ford Coppola movie I worked on, our executive producer was like cleaning the green rooms the night before our, a shoot day, you know? And, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just what you have to do to get it done, you know? And like, she worked on Apocalypse Now. So it's like, I mean, if the woman who worked on Apocalypse Now is is sweeping a green room as executive producer, if, if a producer ever tells to me, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, that's, that's not what a producer has to do. It's like, well, no, producer has to do everything and anything. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, especially in the low budget world. Exactly, especially. But even who knows? Even on the high budget world, like people are just going to do what they need to do to make sure it's done the way it needs to be done. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, I have some stuff to share this week. Are oh, you, you do? ready for it? Oh, I'm ready. Bring it. Uh, we have two new iTunes reviews. Oh my god! Really? To read? Yeah. Are you I was, serious? I was so surprised this morning. I looked. Wow. Let me pull these up. So, um. Yes, over the last week, we got two new ones. That's great. This is from uh, JKLMR123, five stars, best indie film podcast. He or she says, I've listened to so many indie filmmaking podcasts and love several, but none of them feel as authentic as MMIH. They are honest about their work and struggle and won't try to sell, let's see, and won't try to sell everyone something they can't believe in. Keep it up. Oh, that's really awesome. Yeah. Man. And then uh, the next one is from SDog44. Great <laughs> podcast for filmmakers and film fans. Five-star review. Wow. It says, Auric and Timothy are great hosts, and the show is extremely relatable and entertaining. If you're a filmmaker in need of a little inspiration or just interest in the behind-the-scenes world of indie filmmaking, this is the podcast for you. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. That's amazing. You're... Thanks, ladies. Yeah, ladies. Oh, yeah, geez. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, 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 ladies, people. people. I want to say gals, but I know gals is not acceptable. <laughs> but thanks, guys and gals. Guys and gals. Thanks. 
Thanks, people. <laughs> Thanks. It's so awkward. Women. When you can't say uh, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I want to hear from some women. What do you want, <laughs> la- ladies? I know I know a lot of women don't even want to be called ladies. Like, they find that offensive. <laughs> but please, any women, woman, women, woman, female, uh, a person of the opposite sex that I am, uh, let us know what you'd like us to say. Help us. We're floundering. I, I want to what say whatever do? is the best thing. Cause, should we uh, just call Lisa and ask her what, what we should do? Yeah, Lisa, if you're listening, please tell us. I mean, I asked my wife and she's like, I don't know. People are crazy. <laughs> I was like, that's not helpful. <laughs> oh, man. How about so, you? You got anything to share? Oh, gosh. Um, not that I can really think of off the top of my head. Um, no, I, I, yeah, if I, ch- if I think of anything, I'll throw it on the show notes, but right now, uh, I don't got anything You're special. I'm you, pretty On blank. the show notes right now, you just have a question mark next to your name. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of comedy bang bang, which is, uh, an amazing show. I don't know if you've ever watched that, no, um, but it's sort of like really obscure comedy. It's like, it's basically like sort of making fun of and like subverting the talk show in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like. They'll have a real guest on, you know, like a celebrity, and then they'll have a fake guest on after the celebrity, like played by a comedian. And then the interview with the celebrity is off, obviously staged. It's all like a, like a, like a script, like a narrative script, but like made to look like an interview. And it's really, really funny and clever and it's really off the wall. But I mean, I feel like it took me four episodes to like get the type of humor. And then after that point, I was like, I was sold. So that's on Netflix. I don't know if, if, if anyone hasn't seen it before, you should check it out. At least watch two episodes and, uh, you know, give it a shot because it's, it's pretty damn funny. There you go. Comedy Bang Bang on Netflix. On Netflix. All right. Take us out. Thanks again to the guys or ladies who left us the review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. That's awesome. If you have a review for us, please leave one on iTunes. Or if you just want to reach out and let us know what you think, you can write us at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can tweet at us at MMIH podcast. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, visit Sweet. our website, makingmoviesishard.com and you can check out our show notes where you'll find a link to Comedy Bang Bang on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and to our iTunes reviews. I'm trying to make it sound as, as I'm always trying to make things sound as official as possible so that way somebody will eventually hear and be like, oh, we should sponsor those guys. Yeah, we need some sponsors, people. <laughs> I, I don't even really know how sponsors work. Do they pay you to do that? How does it, how does it work? They yeah. Get, yeah, they but, pay you for a plug. Yeah, but how much do they pay you? It's like maybe like $100, let's say $100 an episode. You think you're, so? You'd be like, go to Netflix and watch Comedy Bang Bang. So if we, get, if we get four plugs uh, or three plugs an episode, that's $300? Wow. Yeah, that could be cool, right? Oh, man. I'm, I'm down. Like, you know, I would basically, we just use that money to reinvest it into the podcast, you know? <laughs> Higher yeah, editors, but whatever. right now th- that means that a sponsor would be getting like they would be paying fifty cents per listener, and that's not <laughs> you know we have to get a lot more listeners before it becomes worth it. What they do wanna, you mean? We need wanna, to have more than two hundred <laughs> listeners, Timothy, to have want, plus sponsors. Yeah, they want to <laughs> spend like a penny a listener or like half a cent a listener. They want us to have twenty thousand listeners at least. Yeah, exactly. Do we have twenty thousand listeners, Timothy? <laughs> I don't think we do. Not I, yet, really. Ah, oh, man. 
I don't know for sure how many listeners we have, but we're getting about 200 downloads a week. So I'm guessing that's how many listeners there are. Yeah, I think that when like we start to see more people reaching out to us and more people emailing us or tweeting at us or giving us reviews or getting bad reviews even, I think when that starts happening... <laughs> right, the first them, bad review will be the We sign. made it! <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if you think we've had at least one or two new people a week reach out to us over the course of 58 episodes, that kind of adds up. I mean, that... That's roughly, you know, the amount of listeners we have. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Right? I guess so. we so. need to hear from like 10 people a week, 10 new people a week, 20 new people a week, 100 new people a week. Yeah. We and need we'll a variety to do an, uh, a, a thing about us, an article. Yeah. Be like, ooh, this podcast about indie filmmaking is so wow, amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Don't. It's not that great. <laughs> you, if Variety reached out to us and wanted to do an article about us, you'd be like, you know, we're really flattered, but we're just we're just not good enough yeah, for Variety. God, come on, <laughs> this is a fun podcast, but it's not blowing anyone's mind. I, I would reach through the internet and strangle you. Like, no, shut up. <laughs> be like, no. Eh, all right, it's it's you know, it's it's a very niche audience. You know, we're not we're not going to be reaching millions of listeners ever in our lifetime. I think if we got like one article like on some sort of bigger website or something, I think we would get like a lot of listeners, you know, but maybe that's just because I'm too positive. I don't know. I think you're um, delusional is um, the, I guess the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the most we could ever hope for is like 500. Ever. Ever. You're, you're going to cap us? Yeah, I cap us at 500. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope I hope you're wrong, but uh, it'll be funny if in a year from now it's like, yeah, we're on you know our second year of, of doing this podcast. We have 500 listeners, and that's it. That's and then as we far just as it goes. and then we just do and then a year later it's still at 500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. I I mean I I just think that if we keep on doing it, it's gonna it's gonna keep growing, right? I mean, it just has to, right? Unless no, it I don't doesn't know. have to. Doesn't have to. We don't. We're not talking about stuff that everybody wants to hear. Yeah, well, a lot of people want to make movies, right? So all those people want to hear it, don't they? Even if you want to make a movie, you don't necessarily want to hear us talk about it. There's other podcasts out there, people talking about how to make I movies. I think you'd want to hear from people who are like you, who just are figuring it out and just doing it. Like, you know, I don't think you really want to hear from, you know, uh, Michael Mann. Like, what's Michael Mann going to say? <laughs> if I wasn't on this podcast, I, I think I probably would have listened to about 20 episodes and then unsubscribed. Really? Yeah. I think that's where my head's at. <laughs> Why are you even doing this, man? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, because I enjoy talking to you every week. Yeah, it's it's for us. Yeah, you know? it's fun. But I think that's what people will find interesting about it is that it, it's like, you know, we're doing it because it's useful for us. And it's not like we're, tr- we're not trying to sell anybody anything. We're not trying to like... Prom- or we're pre-promote things every once in a while, but we're not trying to like, you know, it's not like we're jamming brother or spirit machine or over my dead body down people's throats <laughs> every week. I mean, they might come up in conversation, but it's not like we're like, we're not like linking to it every day, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, I think we should end the episode now. Yeah. I got to go to work and then I got to go color spirit machine. Cool. Well, dude. Yeah. I can't wait. Man. How's, how's it going with spirit machine? Um... I'm starting to come around. I think I'm starting to come around. You're starting to get excited about it. It's what's, what's yeah, happening. I feel like it, now that's actually starting to wrap up, I'm like, man, I can't wait to show it to people. Nice. I hope they like it. 
Awesome, dude. Yeah. I can't I can't wait to see it, dude. Well, I will share it with you as soon as possible. Yeah, well, when you do, I'm going to get it on my big screen, surround sound, dim the lights. I'm going to do a whole thing. Does, I know we need to wrap this up, but let me just say this really quick. Sure. <laughs> I feel like there's only two responses to Spirit Machine. Have I told you this already? No, no, no. That people can either feel disappointed by it or impressed by it there's no in between <laughs> there's they're only going to feel one of those two things oh man that's funny well so i almost want to do like a, a questionnaire for the film and just be like check one of these boxes you felt disappointed or you felt um impressed i think there's a lot more emotions you can feel about a nope, movie no nope, no nope. those are the only two emotions i think in the disappointment category there's a lot more uh subcategories you could be like, yeah, I liked it, which is a, a form of disappointment. <laughs> you think if someone says, yeah, I, didn't, I liked it, then that's yeah, a disappointment? Yeah, I liked it, I didn't like it, I hated it, are all forms of disappointment. I loved it, and I really loved it, if we're using the Netflix scale, are both forms of being impressed. Right. I think either something lives up to its expectations, falls short of its expectations, or exceeds it. If you live up to the expectations, I think that's disappointment, because I think people want to be impressed when they see a movie. They mm. want to be surprised. They want to be thrown, taken off guard. They want to see something that they didn't expect. So I feel like you can sum it up to one of those two emotions. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Disappointment or impressed. So I'm pretty sure that most people are going to check the disappointment box. You know, that's actually, I think, more eloquent than than you think it is and more thoughtful. Because, I mean, I think that is true. Like, yeah, you're either impressed or disappointed. I think that's a little bit of a basic, you know, dumbed down way to look at things. But I think it's kind of true. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, that music video I watched a few weeks ago, the one that we posted, uh, the mm-hmm. HXS one. And, you know, I, I was like, clicked on that. I was like, oh, my friend made this. Like, oh, I'll check it out. See, see what's up. And I was definitely impressed. Yeah. You know? Right. But, uh, then I've seen other things where I'm like, oh, that's yeah, okay. And then that's, that's disappointment. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. So I, there you go. I wish human emotion wasn't so simple. Yeah. So I'm hoping that people will be impressed by Spirit Machine, but I'm already setting myself up that most people will be uh disappointed the other thing i'll say about that though is the least the l- less you know about it the easier it is that you'll be impressed exactly. so like the the fact that i probably know more about it than a lot of people it probably makes it harder for me to be impressed by exactly. it because i already have yeah. more information mm-hmm. um but then for people who are don't even know anything about it it'll be easier for them to be impressed but like your kickstarter backers for instance who like backed this years ago they're probably going to be easier to disappoint yeah, because I think so. they, they have more expectation up, yes. up for it. Yep. Yeah. It's a danger. Well, I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. So <laughs> stay, keep that positivity, man. Okay. I will. All right. Thanks again. All right. See you guys. Talk to you later.